All God's people said, amen. God has been incredibly good at all times. Every day hadn't been good, but God sure has. If you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to the 127th Psalm, Psalms chapter 127, you know the Psalms, it's quite possibly one of the greatest, if not the greatest collection of writings that has ever, hey brother, you, you don't mind, put, put it right over here, <coughs> that, that has ever been given to man, I just wanted to pick it up and move it a couple times, anywhere right now is good, thank you brother, <coughs> show off. You know, we, we talked about problems, we talked about things we face in life, and the truth is all of us face the problems, but we, we've never faced a problem that, that there's not a psalm of comfort. Life has handed us a lot of difficult situations, but in difficult situations there's a, a psalm of hope. Sometimes in life, it's okay to just say the truth. Sometimes there's things going on that cause fear. Sometimes there's things in life that, that cause us to be afraid, but there's always a psalm of confidence. Sometimes we're, we're confused about things that are going on in life. We're confused about situations, but even when we're confused, there, there's, there's a, a psalm there to, to give us strength, to get us through the times. When, when we feel defeated, anybody ever feel defeated in life? Anybody ever feel like you made a mistake, you can't get past? The devil ever tell you that you're no good, we feel defeated. But even when we're defeated, there's a psalm of victory. No matter what we're going through in life, there is a psalm to help us overcome. So, psalm chapter 46, and that's not our text, just hold your place in 127, I'll be there in a minute. But in chapter 46 tells us that, that God is a refuge and strength. It tells us that he is a very present help in trouble. That's a really important passage to take a look at there because it doesn't say that God was a refuge and a strength in the Old Testament. It doesn't say that he was an important piece of their life. It doesn't say that, hey, when your storm comes, God will be there. It says that God is there. He is a very present help now. He's been a very present help. He'll be a very present help, but it focuses on the presence. What that tells me is, is that he, he wasn't just Hezekiah's help. He's our help. He wasn't just David's redeemer that picked him up after his failure and set his feet up. He's our redeemer. He, he's not just a friend of Abraham. He's our friend. God, God, God is our friend, yes. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The Word tells us that over and over. But it also says He's your God. He's my God. He is, he is our God. He is our help. He is our deliverance. He is our provision. He is our security. He, he, is, he is our strength, our stronghold. He's everything that we need in every situation. It says that He is a very present help. Tuesday morning... We were down at the Rock Altar. We did the Tuesday morning prayer meetings. You're welcome to be there anytime, 7 o'clock every Tuesday morning. Rock Altar behind the gym and gather up down there and pray. And I, I don't remember what Greg Bram was talking about. I don't remember the context of the statement. I don't remember if he mentioned this passage during his prayer. I don't remember if he mentioned this passage when we were talking for a couple minutes 
prior to praying or walking back up to the car. I don't remember why he mentioned the message or, or, or this particular text. I just remember him mentioning the text. And when he mentioned the text, God spoke to me about this text. I went home and I began studying this text, thinking it's something for me and felt like God was giving me a message for here. But, but I thought, you know, I just, I just heard him mention a verse. That's just too simple a way to get a message from that I heard him mention. So I literally, I've, I've tried studying three different things this week. I've tried studying three different passages, three different messages. I, I have outlines started because sometimes that's just what you got to do to find out where God wants you to be. Just start trying to write something else, put together another message. And if that's not God's message, he'll shut that door. It'll grow cold. It won't be there. And so God kept bringing me back to this. And the reason I tell you that is because what that always does confirms in me that God has something in store for somebody. It confirms that, that God used the mouth of Greg to just speak a verse that he put it in my heart to get me in the right direction. But that means that, that I believe God is going to do something special. Now, what we have here in this psalm, it says that it is a song of degrees. You know, if, if you look just on this one page, Psalm 121 is a song of degrees. It says it is a traveler's psalm. And chapter 123 says a song of degrees. It is looking for God's mercy. And Psalms 124 is a song of degrees. It is God on the side of his people. Chapter 125 is a song of degrees. It is the Lord's encompassing protection. In chapter 126 is the song of degrees, the remembrance of past blessings. That's what it takes to see the evidence of God's goodness in our life sometimes, is to look at the remembrance of past blessings. Here in chapter 127, it says it's a song of degrees. This is children's or God's heritage it is the theme of that chapter. Chapter 128, a song of degrees, blessings on the home of those that fear the Lord. So that song of degrees is pretty prevalent. That word degrees means elevation. It is a song that they sing. It is a song of elevation. The, the actual one of the meanings says it is a journey to a higher place. So what it's telling us is that this, this psalm, this, this elevation, this, this journey to a higher place, this is what the text says this morning. I have one verse, chapter 127, verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. I want to look at a message this morning. Who is your contractor? God, thank you so much for this book, this letter, this plan for our lives, God. Thank you for your love for us, your grace towards us, your mercy to us, God, for your extended hand, your protection. Thank you, God, for the way you reached down and touched the high schoolers a couple of weeks back, touched the middle schoolers. But, God, we come, even as adults this morning, we come in need of your touch. We come in need of your power. We come in need of your presence, God. Without you, we're nothing but sounding brass and tinkling cymbals, God. I pray that your perfect will be accomplished here, God. I pray that you receive all glory and honor in everything that we do. I pray you'd help us, God, to learn something about us, about, about ourselves this morning, God. Something that we might go out and be a better servant for you. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You, you can be seated. And anybody in here ever built a house? <laughs> I ain't talking about like physically built a house. I mean like built a house. You know, went and shopped plans and looked through plans and tried to find the plans that you like that y'all can agree on. Husband and wife ever tried to agree on a set of plans? 
It eventually got, got to the point, honestly, as, as we looked at plans, Robin and I had, had an idea, and we, we couldn't even find plans that we liked. Um, if you know our house, there's some European characteristics in the middle with the rocks, but we really liked the Victorian. Anybody like the Victorian look? You know, the 1412 roof pitch, the witch's hats, the, the chopped up roof stick. We really liked that a lot, but we didn't want to go Victorian in that we had to have the wraparound porch on the front. We couldn't find it, so I actually drew the house that we live in I took several pieces of paper and taped them all together and I know why didn't you just go get some construction paper I don't know I'm just telling you what I did taped a bunch of pieces together and I drew the house that we wanted this is what we wanted our house to look like and Robin and I went over that and we, we'd make changes and then we drew the floor plans out I drew both the levels and then we carried up to Mitch Ginn Mitch Ginn the architect up in Noonan and we had him draw and I, and I brought the plans with me this morning because I, I want to use them. This is just, this is what God laid on, on my heart about this morning. You know, building a house is a big deal. Probably the single largest investment that any of us make in our lives. Amen? If it's not, you need to seriously check on what you're spending your money on. So, so if that is the single largest investment, I, I realize a lot of times we, we buy a house that's already built, and that's probably more common, especially in subdivisions, to buy one. But sometimes we just want what we want. We want something different. But if we're going to spend that much money and, and make that kind of investment, then hiring the right builder is very important. See, I, I'm afraid that the reason America is facing the problems that she's facing and going through what she's going through is because... Today, America no longer seems to view God as their number one contractor. They, they seem to be looking at several different ideas of how to build this country. Listen, I wish this morning I could change America. Anybody, anybody agree with that? I wish I could change this country. I wish I could change the world. I, I wish I could take away the hatred of, of a place like Iran that claims Death to the infidel because we're Christians, yet they claim they serve the same God, but there's nothing but wickedness. I wish, I wish I could go into something. I wish I could stop the hurting that Russia is causing over there with some senseless destruction going on. I wish that I could erase the hurting that goes on around the world and even in our country between all of mankind. I wish I could do that stuff. I wish I could erase it right here in our own community. I wish I could just make Troop County, Meriwether, Heard, Cowhead. I wish the Harris County. I wish I could just make our surroundings a better place. And I truly believe that we can to an extent by changing it one soul at a time. That is the theme of the text to tell people about Jesus Christ, not, not bring up anything else. It's all about Jesus. Everything has to be about Jesus. Everything else is noise. So I wish we could change, but to be honest, I can't worry about changing anything else until I've allowed God to change right here. And until I've allowed the, the ultimate builder to do some things in here, I can't do anything anywhere else. So this morning I want to take a look at who is our contractor. Except the Lord build a house. Well, who is our builder? Who is it that is building this house? There's actually some things that we can take a look at. I want to look at three things this morning that, that can help us identify who is our builder. Who is it that is actually building this house? Number one, you want to know if God is your ultimate contractor. You want to know if God is building this house, if God is building your life. Number one, is reading God's Word every day a priority to you in your life? Is, is reading God's Word the most important thing in your life? Is it even in the top five? 
I mean, do we make reading the Scriptures the top event in our life? <clears throat> See, what I have here in the plans to the house, this is an extra copy that I paid for. It's so rolled up because it's been in a tube for 25 years. But I, I wanted a copy to keep when he got through. But anybody ever seen a set of plans after the house was built, the ones that the builder had? There ain't nothing left of them. They, they get them out every day. They're shredded. So I, I wanted one to keep. So, so I, I brought it with me this morning. This is one that, that we had. But the truth is, every good builder starts every day by reviewing the plans. Every day, the builder gets them out. When, when the foundation's being dug, he has to come out and you get it inspected to make sure that the footings are in the right place and the rebar is put in. And then when the concrete comes out, you got to make sure that the foundations are poured and that all the measurements are right, where everything goes for the walls. And then when, when the framing comes up, he's got to get it out and go over with the framer to make sure that all the walls are in the right place. And for the electrician, you got to go over it with that to make sure all the wires. And for the plumber, you got to go over it to make sure that all the plumbing's in the right place. When you get to the roofing, to make sure that all the valleys are covered and everything's there. I'm just telling you, the plans are very important. You can't build a house without the plan. So, so the builder, a good builder, is going to get the plans out every day to check things. So just to share a couple things to, to help understand the importance. In our house, there was supposed to be an LVL on the main level. An LVL is a support column. If you want a wide open space underneath, you got a roof load above, you have to support it with an LVL. There's supposed to be an LVL in a portion of the basement. Well, one week the builder doesn't come down. The framer, he goes about his work building it, and, and he builds, but he leaves out this LVL. I, I don't notice it until the second floor has gone up, and, and I've got a load-bearing wall setting between two 2 by 12s downstairs over a sheet of plywood. There's nothing that's going to hold up the roof load. I call the builder. I tell him about it, and, and he says, I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. Well, he really didn't take care of it. He came down a few days later. By then, they've already got everything up. He and the framer got into an argument, and the framers quit in the middle of building the house before they got all the roof on. So, so they, they really didn't get it worked out, but I ended up having to take care of the problem myself. Now, here's the deal. The house was built. The house was finished, but not according to the plans. I have a post, a support column in my basement that's not supposed to be there. I had a couple of walls built in my basement that are supporting things up, up top that's not supposed to be there. So the job was completed, but not according to the perfect plan. The job was completed on a fallback plan. The reason the LVL was left out was because the framer date didn't take time to look at the plans that day. Now, here's the reality of it. He's a framer. He's done it hundreds of times. He's built hundreds of houses. He's already looked at the plan. He's already ordered the building package. He's got the material there. He knows what he needs to do. He does it every day, so all you got to do now is do it, right? So on that day, he didn't take the plans out. It's the same thing we do with the Word of God. I've, I've heard it before. I, I've heard it preached before. I, I've read it before. I, I live my life every day. I get up every morning. I know how to do this today. I don't need to get the plans out again today. But that's all it took to mess up was one day where they did not get the plans out. All it takes in life is to just mess up and not get the plans out. If we don't take the plans out and read them every morning, then can we really claim that God is our contractor? 
If we don't get the plans out and review them, can I really say that the Lord is building my house? Can I really blame the Lord for not helping me through whatever problems I went through that day? Can I really blame the Lord for not maybe helping me handle some situations better? Can I really blame the Lord that I lost my temper because somebody made me mad, but I didn't bother to get the plans out that day and, and spend time? So, so I just wonder if we don't get the plans out in the morning and, and we don't look at the plan. How many support columns will we miss in a day? How many walls will be in the wrong place in our life? How many things can be done wrong in a single day just because we didn't get out the plans? Now, the day is still going to be finished. You're still going to get to the evening, but you're going to get there on the fallback plan and not on the perfect plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. He had it while I was in the womb. He didn't just say that to Jeremiah. He said it to Jeremiah, but he wrote it and spoke it to the entire world that before you was ever formed in the womb, I already knew you. I already had a plan, and God has a plan. So how can we know the plan if we don't take the plan out and read it? Number two, a good way to determine whether or not the Lord is our contractor, how often do you talk to him? How often do you communicate with the builder, if the Lord is Lord of my life, if, if I'm going to say, Lord, I surrender my life to you to be Lord of my life, how can I claim he's Lord of my life if I never talk to him to find out what he wants? How, how can I claim that he's Lord of my life if I never ask him for guidance, if I never ask him for direction, if the only time I ever talk to him is when I need something, which is often... If I, if, I need, if I need to get out of trouble, which is often, if I need some bills paid because we've overspent, anybody with me? If that is the extent of my relationship, I just come to him when, when I need something, how, how good can my relationship be? A framer needs to talk to, to the, the contractor every day. The builder, the builder is the head over. He is the one who puts everything together, and, and no relationship can be healthy if there's not communication. You know, a lot of people think they have a healthy marriage because they know each other, right? I mean, we live together, so you, you, you know how to tell whether or not they're in a good mood or a bad mood, right? Matter of fact, if you know they're in a bad mood and you really just want to stir the pot, all you got to do is say, why are you in a bad mood? Big mistake. I am not in a bad mood. I, I know because I get that way. Don't tell me I'm in a bad mood. I probably already know that. I don't need you telling me that. But, but we, we think we have healthy relationships because we can tell when they come home whether or not they've had a good day or a bad day at work. So we think that's a, a healthy relationship. I'm sorry, but it's not. You can tell that about your boss. The minute you walk in the door at work, you can tell that about your coworkers. Can, can I tell? I can tell that about the the checkout person in the line at the grocery store. I can tell you whether or not they're having a good day or a bad day. I can tell you whether or not somebody, a few people ahead of me, really ticked them off. And then I don't have a relationship with them. So you can't base that on relationship. Relationship is based on communication. In order to have a healthy relationship, you need some healthy communications. The same thing is true with the builder. That's what makes a healthy relationship. So if we never take God's plans out, and, and we never spend time talking to the builder, 
then how can we claim God as our contractor? Jesus told us in Luke chapter 18 that men ought always to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. There's over 650 passages of prayers in the Word of God. There's, I think they say there's more than 450 answered prayers in the Word of God. We look at the life of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus himself taught us the importance of prayer, did he not? Jesus in his life, now there's some scholars talk about 25 prayers and different prayers. If you look, Harold Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, he lists 19 prayers of Jesus. And then we see that at least six times, Jesus went himself into an alone place to pray, to get alone with the Father, to spend time in prayer. But, but what Jesus shows us, not just a number of times, he shows us that he lives his life in an attitude of prayer. He lives his life daily in prayer. He spends his time in constant communication with the Father. Now, if praying is important to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the living God, the, 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 the Lamb of God, if praying is important to God in the flesh, then how do we possibly think we could get through this day following God's plan if we haven't spent time talking to Him? All it took to mess up at our house was one day. All it took was one day that they did not look at the plan and they did not talk to the contractor and they just went about their day and everything got messed up. How in the world can you and I expect to go through God's plan on a day that God gave us the plan he has for our life if we don't bother to get the plan out and look at it? I'm just looking at some ways on how we know whether or not God truly is our contractor. But number three... Will we, according to the Word of God, teach our children diligently? Not, not only do we have to spend time reading it, not only do we have to spend time in communication, but will we teach it to our children? The Word of God talks continuously about raising our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Bible talks continuously about training a child up in the way that he should go, that when he's old, he'll not depart from it. One of the reasons so many families are having so many problems is because they're not daily teaching their children to read the plan or talk to the contractor. They're not setting the example did anybody ever watch <coughs> Extreme Home Makeovers? Y'all used to watch that show? Back in 2010, my dad and I was, was over there. We built a house for Extreme Home Makeovers. It's actually a modular home. Y'all know that's what we've always done. Move mobile homes and modulars, manufactured housing. Comes out on the frame, swing it with a crane. That was a 12-piece modular. It was down in um, um, Pine Mountain. Coach Williams, I heard he, I heard he recently passed away. Somebody was telling me so. He lived a long time of that battle. They built that house back then because he and one of his children, I think, had, had an illness. But in that deal, one of the things I learned about Ty and those guys on television shows, they don't really do any work. I learned that. You, you'd be out there working, and they're down there in air-conditioned campers, and then they come out in a little bit, and they stop progress. And, you know, with, with the way you do those, you, you put all your straps on it, and then you hook the crane to it. You take the bolts out in the frame, and you lift it in the air, and you got a rope off both sides so that you can guide it and set all the modular pieces in place. And they would come out and have everybody clear out of the way, get the cameras on and hold the rope, and do all the hollering and yelling and pointing and looking like they're doing something. So that's a wrap, guys. They go back in and say, I'm going to go back to work now. But one of the things that they did do 
is they talked to every member of that family. They talked to mom, they talked to dad, they talked to the children, they talked to anybody that was going to live in that household, and here's why. They wanted to know what did they like. They wanted to know what things mattered to them. Now, if you remember the show, when they come in, the children's room would be decked out. I mean, if a, if a child loved butterflies, man, it was on. It was like butterfly haven of the world, right? I mean, if they, if they liked the, the sea, the ocean, ocean animals, man, they came in. It was like walking into the Georgia Aquarium in their room. The reason why those things could happen was because they allowed their children to talk to the builder. Now, now they have a communication so that the builder understands, but that the builder can do things for them. How, how can we expect our children to grow up with an importance on, on looking at the plans if we never taught them about the plans? How, how can we expect our children to grow up thinking it's important to spend time talking to the builder if, if we've never taught them to talk to the builder? You know, last week we looked at the book of Proverbs, I told you it's one of the three books of wisdom in the Word of God. And in the Word of Wisdom, it says in chapter 22 and verse 6 that we're to train up in the child the way that he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That doesn't guarantee that your child will be saved. That does not guarantee that your child is going to heaven just because you teach them the Scriptures. That, that doesn't guarantee that they'll never stray away from the Word or stray away from the church or stray out of life. But what it does guarantee that if you will teach them, they will never forget it. If you will instill the Word of God in them, instill the importance of prayer and instill the importance of reading the Word of God, they may stray from it, but they'll never forget it. Think, think about this. If we were to just hand our children a set of house plans, how many of you think your child could go build this house? I mean, everything's in here, right? Every measurement, every detail, the type of siding, the size of the, of the eaves, the type of flooring, the, the staircase, wall height. Everything's here, right? I mean, it's all here. So shouldn't I just be able to hand it to them and let them figure it out? If, if I just hand it to them, how many of us truly believe that they could just go build a house? Because if you ever look at these things, well, they look confusing. I mean, man, they got all kind of numbers and stuff on them everywhere. I mean, it looks like a bunch of scribbling. It's just, it's just, just a mess. But you know what? To the plumber, the plumbing part's not confusion. To the electrician, the electrical part's not confusion. To the master builder... To the one who is over it all, none of it's confusing. Because he spent time learning how to read plans and be a part. So he has, has it in his life. You know, can, I need one of you high schoolers to come up here and help me. I don't care who. Somebody come here. I need a volunteer. That's what I got the table for. I need to open these plans. One of you, come on. Come on, bud. I want you to stand right here. Come here. Come here. You ever seen a set of house plans before? No. Not really? You, you ever built a house before? So if I hand you this, you don't think you'd go build a house? No. Do, do, do you know anything about these plans or how to build a house based on these plans? You do? What do you know? I watch Property Brothers. They usually do the same. You watch Property Brothers? Yes. So from watching Property Brothers, you ready to build a house? Yes. Okay. Hold that side for me. Don't let go. It's going to unroll itself back up. So this is a set of plans. Now, now I want y'all to hear me before I go over this because I want y'all to understand what we do. 
We buy our children a set of plans. We give them to them for their birthday. We give them to them for Christmas. We give them nice, beautiful, real, genuine, leather-bound copies with their name put in the front at gold. And up at the front it says, Given to you in the greatest of love by mom and dad on the 27th day of July in the year of our Lord, 2022. We just want you to know we love you, mom and dad. This book will guide you all the days of your life. And we hand it to them, and they're just supposed to know it, right? That's what we do. We, we give them plans, and to be honest, they're in just as good a shape today as they were when we gave them to them 15 years ago. Because we didn't teach them the importance of getting the plan out and making it part of their daily life. So this, this isn't just a picture of my house. You, you see all this stuff? This is elevation. This is height of walls. You see the chimney. It tells a stone. Architectural shingles, 1412 roof pitch. You see that? A little copper. So, so this is telling us stuff, right? It's more than just a picture. You see that? You see, this is the side elevation of the house, right? Yes. All right, hold that down. Give me another page. So here we have, this is a rear elevation, and this is a left-hand elevation. Now, it's more than just a picture of the house. You see those things, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you see on there that you could use to tell you right now you think you could go build this house? Yeah. Architectural shingles. Yes. Thank you. You got the roof on it. <laughs> but, but, but what about all this down here? Well, you have to have all that in order to have the house stand standing up because you have to have all the bricks up to keep the house standing up. Yeah, I understand that. So can you take this and go build that right now? I probably have trouble and break my back or something. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we don't want you to break your back. Let's look at another page. All right, this, this is all concrete work. This is all laid out. This is all foundations. This is all footings. This is the depth of the footers. This is everything that has to be done in the concrete before you can build everything for the basement level. Let, let's go to the main level. Let's, let's just... Get where we can get you some help. Main level of the house. Okay? See the picture? Mm -hmm. All right. Any guess what that right there is? That is a fan. You're right. That, that is a fan. So this right here is one room. See that? So how many fans is in that room? There's three in the main room. Th three in the main room. Yes. So what, 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 are, what are these little lines right here? It's showing the place where it goes but what are the lines connecting it power oh you're so good man so we got electrical lines and the electrical lines comes to all three fans and turns them on and it comes back to right here see that little dollar sign right yeah. there that little dollar sign you know what that is no that's the light switch so what it tells me is there's going to be a switch right here and from that switch it's going to run right here and that one switch is going to turn on all three of those fans you see that mm -hmm. all right you know what these are these are can lights. Oh. So if these are can lights, what's that right there? Power. That's the power. And the power goes right, what's that right there? The dollar sign. So what's the switch. dollar? A switch. So you got a switch, turns these on, right? Yes. What is that right there? I don't know what that is. That is an electrical outlet. Okay, see that little logo? Mm -hmm. That's an electrical outlet. So what's that right there? An electric outlet. Okay, and, and what's that one right there? Same thing, electric outlet. Electrical outlet. All right, so if we go over here to the hallway then, let's go to a new room and go to the hallway. I've got two of these dollar signs right here. What does that tell me? Electrical outlets. No, that's right here. Oh. What's that one? Electrical outlet. Electrical outlet. What's the little dollar sign? Electric outlet. That's the uh, switch. Now, switches. So if I have two, where'd my hallway go? If I have two of the little dollar signs right here, that's two what? Switches. That's two switches. So one switch goes right here and it turns on these two lights, which are the hallway lights. This switch has a wire goes all the way right here to that, which is what? An outlet. 
No. Looky emblem. That's a can light. So that switch turns on all four of them, right? Okay, let's go to a whole new room. What, what, what is this line right here? See how they got a straight line and a curved line? You know what that means? It's a door. Oh, you're so good. That means there's a door right there and it opens that way, right? Yes. So if we get right here when we're going to the master bedroom, what does that right there tell me? It's two double doors. It's two double doors. One swings there, one swings there. When we walk in on the left, there's three of those little signs right there. So what's on the left when I walk into the room right there? A switch. A switch. How many of them? Three switches for three. One of them goes and runs the outside floodlights. One of them goes to the fan. This one goes to the fan. One runs the fan. One runs the lights. Okay? okay. Now, when you go in the room, what's this right here? An outlet. And what's this right here? An outlet. Now, let me ask you a question. Based on that, do you think you could take this plan? Do you think that's enough information for you to go build this house? Yes. I think you're crazy. <laughs> and I'm not going to hire you. Okay. Yet. But I will. But here's what I do believe. I do believe you have information that five minutes ago you didn't have. I do believe you know something right now because you looked at a set of plans and you see the things that's on there that you know something now that you did not know five minutes ago. Because somebody took five minutes just to show you something in the plans, right? Yes. Thank you. You can go be seated. It really is that simple. It really is that simple. The Word of God, it, it, it looks like this big confusing set of plans. It's got everything from in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And you're like, what is all that? Then you get all the way down here. you got something like Daniel comes along. I mean, really? How do you read Daniel? And then you get over here to Revelation. And you look at something that hadn't even happened yet. And you talk about Christ coming back. And then you got to take Revelation and tie it back to Daniel. And you got all these weird animals and these creatures with three lion's head and dragon's tails. you got all this stuff going on. And it looks like a book of confusion. But if you just sort of sit down with the builder, it's really not that confusing. If we teach our children to take the plan out and we actually talk to them, if they have a question about the plan, tell them. Spend time praying with them. If we show our children, if you hand that to your child and tell them which bedroom's going to be theirs, I can just about guarantee you they're not going to find their bedroom in that. But if we take them and we show them the plan, and we show them the staircase, and we show them the light switches, and we show them the bedroom, then when they look, they begin to visualize some things, and they begin to put it there. If we show them the different plans for each different phase of their construction, see, that's what our life is. Anybody in here feel like you're a work in progress besides me? All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not what I was, but praise God, I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm somewhere in the middle of this construction phase right here. And if I want to know what's next in it, I can't know until I look at the plan and until I talk to the builder. So it really boils down to being this simple. Are we reading the plan? Are we praying? And are we teaching it to our children? But then we've got the reality of life, right? I'm with you. I've, I've been there. I, I know. I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to just sit down and read the Bible. I don't have time to just sit down and pray. I mean, I got to make lunches, get kids out the door. Um, we we got to do this and that. I mean, my, my day is just full. I mean, how, how do you expect me to, to read the Bible? Get up 15 minutes earlier. 
get up 20 minutes early. If you don't have time in the morning to read the Bible and keep doing what you're doing, then either get up earlier or don't make the bed. But do not put anything. And my wife will tell you that means get up 20 minutes earlier because she ain't leaving without making no bed. Vacuuming, cleaning. That's a cleaning machine right there, mister. And there ain't nothing. Footprints off the carpet. She ain't leaving until everything in our house is spotless clean. That's just her. So you know what that means to her? She's got to get up earlier. You know why? Because she's going to read that every morning. You know why? Because she's going to spend some time, be honest, she's going to spend some time praying for you every morning. Everybody on her list and everybody in this church, she's going to have to get up a little early. So if you don't have time in the morning, if you truly look at your schedule and you can't change and say, I don't have time to read the plan, then get up earlier. You ought to be scared to death to walk out of your house in the morning without reading that book and praying before you leave. You ought to be scared to death to try to go through a day when you have not spent time with the master builder reading his plan and going through in a conversation with him. So, so let, let's just look for a minute. I know we say, well, I don't, I don't have time to pray. We ought to be in an attitude of prayer all day. There ought to be some time set aside just to pray, but you can't spend the whole day in your prayer closet. The rest of it just ought to be an attitude of prayer. It ought to be an attitude of prayer when we drive. If you drive in this town, glory to God, you better be in an attitude of prayer. God, get me there safe. There's some nutcases around here. Got some driver's license. So we, that ought to keep us in an attitude of prayer. We ought to be in an attitude of prayer at work, especially for work around people. God, help me to love people today. Help me to let people see Christ in me today. Help me to be an example of what you'd have me to be today. Help me to not lose my temper with somebody today. Help me to not do something I'd be ashamed of that would bring shame and dishonor to your name today. Help me today. But... Let's, let's just look at time for a minute. I, I know we're late, but that's okay. We, we had some really good testimonies from high school, and that's okay. I'm not going to change the message. How much television do you watch in a day? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm certainly going to raise mine. If your television in your house gets turned on at any point in the day, raise your hand. I can just about go ahead and, and commit three and a half hours to you. I, I can just tell you, because in the spring and summer, all God's children know what that is. <laughs> half a game out. Going for it today, baby. Well, we're a game and a half out, ain't we? What are we, half a game? Going for it today. Go Padres. We need the match to go down, right? Three and a half hours, scratch it off. But is that my idol? Because I, I assure you that's probably going to happen. And come fall and winter, I'm sorry, it's go dogs. The television is coming on on Saturday. Man, I don't, don't, don't give me none of that stuff. It's coming on on Saturday. My, my television is going to be on and whatever bowl game, it don't matter if it comes on. I'm just telling you, there's some, there's some time there that I watch television, that's time in my day that I'm making something a priority that if I haven't read God's Word and I haven't prayed, then I have no right to be doing that. If I haven't made first things first, let, let, how much time do you spend in one day on Facebook? None. Thank you. I don't have it either. Well, I do. I do, too. I got my sales book page. What do you call that? Marketplace. Yeah, I sell a boat. That's right. I got to know how to buy and sell a boat. 
but I don't, have, I don't have it. So for all those of you that told me you sent me friend requests and I've never responded, I'm not rude. I don't know how to respond if I needed to. I have zero friends. You can back it up for yourself. I just am able to sell boats. But, but the truth is, what, what about Snapchat? How much time do you spend a day on Snapchat? What, what about text messages? I'm going to get in somebody's grill sooner or later. How much time do you spend texting on your phone, texting things out? See, all of that is time. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll make a challenge for us this week. I, I challenge you to do, an, to do a, a log of your time. This is going to take time in itself, and then you can take all that time, turn it into Bible reading, and you'll be good to go. Take a log of your time this week. Here's what you need to do. Take a log. How, mu- how much time do you spend watching television? I'm not saying that's a sin. I'm not saying the texting is a sin. I'm not saying being on the phone is a sin. I'm not saying what you do on Facebook may or may not be a sin. I'm, I'm not saying Snapchat. I, well, I'm, I'm getting into some rough waters over there. I'm not saying those things are a sin, but what I am saying, if you're putting all your time in there, but you're saying, I don't have time to read the Word of God, and I don't have time to pray, now it becomes a sin. Because they all are coming before God. So take a time log this week. Find out how much time you watch television. Find out how how much time in the day do you spend on your phone, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat, text messages, playing video games, or whatever you play on your phone, surfing the Internet, Shopping, glory to God, ain't nobody in here knows Amazon's going to kill us all. Look, how much time do you spend on your phone in a single day? And here's what we will learn. As a matter of fact, put how much time, and this is important, also on your daily log, put how much time you spent reading the Bible and put how much time you spent praying. And that's important because at the end of the week, when you look at your log and you've got hours and hours of television and you've got hours and hours of texting and you've got hours and hours of playing game and you've got 25 minutes of reading the Word of God, there's a balance problem. The, the reason we're facing so many problems is because we got things out of proportion. So what it will show us if we do a time log and put all the stuff in there, including reading and including praying, then at the end of the week we can look at the time log, and you know what we can see? We can see what matters to us. When we look at where we put our time, then we can see what is important in our life. Because we will put time in what matters. We will put time into what is important in our lives. Accept the Lord build a house. They that labor, labor in vain. How can we claim something as a priority in our life if we don't do it? How, how can we claim that the Lord Jesus is a priority in my life if I don't spend time with him? If I want my house built according to the will of God, then I've got to read the plan. Band, come on, guys. If I want, if I want the Lord to build my house, if I want the Lord to build this house according to his will, according to his plan, in the image that he would have it to be, I have to be able to read the plan. Not only do I have to be able to read the plan, but I have to be able to talk to the builder. But, but can, I, can I go ahead and just give you one more? I have to be pliable. It doesn't do me any good to read. If I'm a rigid old board and I ain't going to change. If I'm stuck on my ways and I'm doing it this way and I'm not going to change. 
So, so when I talk to the master builder, I have to be pliable to let the Lord make changes. And, and if I want my family to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then I have to teach my children how to read the plan. I have to show them what things are. It doesn't take a long time. It just takes time, a little bit of time. Matter of fact, while we're on the daily log, mom and dad, while we're on the daily log, make this another one on your checklist. How much personal time did I spend with my children today? You want to know why so many children are going to the wayside? Because mom and dad sticking a television in front of them, giving them a cell phone, saying, we'll be home in time for dinner, see you later. And they're being raised by this world. You, you, want, you want to know, you want to know how to make a difference in your children's lives? Be an example. They, they can't know anything about reading the plan if they don't see you reading the plan. They can't know anything about a prayer life if they don't see you praying. Example's a big deal, amen? Why don't you guys go ahead, stand where you are. Band's going to do a song. Altar's open. I, 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 would, I would encourage you, if at all possible, do, do your time log this week. Just do one. I know it's complicated. I know it's something. Just take a piece of paper or go ahead and put a little more time in your phone. Get out one of them little notepads in there and just keep up with your time log on what you do. And at the end of the week, look back at, at where your time's at. And when you see where your time's at, you're going to know what's important to you. You're going to find out what matters the most. I'm going to ask you if you want to come pray. Altar's open. Come talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, just help me. Just help me. If you're like me, I'm a work in progress. I need all the help I can get. I need for the Lord to help me, shape me, mold me, make me, teach me. And unfortunately, sometimes I even need for him to break me. But I, I, I would rather be humble than have to be humble. I, I would rather be broke than have to be broken. The Lord can't use us till he's broken us of self and put us into the book. They're going to sing. You guys, welcome to come pray.